Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, These Idiots True Crime Podcast. I'm Shayla. And I'm Tabitha. And this is our Halloween edition episode. Um, so, Tabitha, are you dressing up for Halloween? No, I have a child now. I don't dress up at all. <laughs> I wear leggings. <laughs> are you, are you going to dress up Biggie, though? Yes. Um, she's going to be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I'm surprised. Okay. This was my idea. If anyone wants to use it, like if they have future babies, but I told her to dress Figgy up as like some sort of spice, like oregano or something. And where she's a baby, she'd like be baby spy. I thought that was a genius idea. Well, the costume that we honestly, we looked and looked and couldn't find anything that would fit her because she's super tiny. And this was the only costume we could find that would fit her. So she's being Bill. He is like, super super tiny I mean she eats a lot and everything but she's just like your little 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 she weighs seven pounds two ounces from the last time that we took her to the doctor yeah like I I think I weighed that much when I was born so (laughs) (laughs) she's like uh how old is she now three weeks she was three weeks on Monday yeah, so if you all are dressing up for Halloween, let us know what you're going as. Um, what are y'all doing this Halloween? It's kind of a weird different time with COVID. So I know parties really aren't going to be a thing this year. So if you have some fun ideas of what you're doing at home from Halloween, let us know. We'd be interested in knowing. Um, do you want to kind of let everyone know what we're doing this episode for our Halloween edition? So this episode... To be quite honest, this is a total Shayla episode. I'm just going to have input. Uh, This episode is about River Phoenix and his death. Yes. And if anyone's like, how the crap does this relate to Halloween? Just listen and you will know. But you probably already know if you know anything about River Phoenix and what happened. So sit down, relax. If you're driving, pay attention to the road, and let's just go on this little journey together, guys. So, I'm going to first start out where, you know, everything went down. And if you hear, like, I'm sorry, I'm, like, an old school person. I have to write down all my notes on, like, paper to kind of keep my thoughts organized, because I can't do a tablet or a phone. I feel like an old grandma lady, but that's just how I work better. It's just writing everything down. I'm the same way. But um, we're going to start out where his death actually took place, and that was in the Viper Room. Now, originally the Viper Room was built in 1921, and it actually was a grocery, like, during that time. And somehow they changed owners, and they were like, hey, this would be a cool club. I don't know. I've never been into, like, a food city and been like, you know what? This place would be popping if it was a club. Also, uh, just putting it out there, Food City is our grocery store. That's not, that's only in like Tennessee, Virginia, and Kentucky. So I'm assuming y'all would figure out it. It's a grocery store, but yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, it's our grocery store. Um, And then it later on had very many different lives. Um, It then turned into the Cotton Club. And then in the 40s, um, it became Greenwich Village Inn. And then in June 14th, 1951, it became the Melody Room. 
Well, that was basically a mobster's hangout. So, you know, pretty much some illegal-ish was going down there. And it's a telling, like, what all happened there. It's kind of like hush-hush. I can't really find a lot about that. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that has. But, you know, there's probably some stuff, like, lingering from the 50s where it was a mobster's hangout, you know? And then my favorite thing is in the 70s, it changed ownerships and it became Filthy McNasty's, which is legit what it was called. And I feel that like, is beautiful. I feel like that's like a great place to get tetanus at. Um, <laughs> or some other uncurable something. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, anytime you go to like the doctor, like, oh, where were you at? I'm like, oh, is that Filthy McNasty's? And they're like, that explains everything. And That's then, why you need all of these shots and creams. <laughs> <laughs> all this penicillin, please. Um, and then in the 80s, it became the central. And then it's life as the Viper Room came to life in 1993 when Mr. Donnie Depp, the Pirate of the Caribbean. The Caribbean himself. Caribbean, Caribbean, whichever one you were. You're trying to say the both at the same time. <laughs> I was. It's, you can, how do you pronounce it? Caribbean or Caribbean? It depends on what I'm talking about. If it's Pirates of the Caribbean, I say it Caribbean. But if it's like, if you're going there, it's the Caribbean. It's, I don't understand why I do that, but I do. As long as you don't call it Caribbean, you're good. Uh, no. So that's just like a little background info on the Viper Room. So key point, 1993, this is where a lot of stuff is about to go down, folks. Tabitha, you're not going to remember any of this because you just literally came out of the oven that year. So. Yeah, no, I, no. You were, you were fresh. I was fresh. <laughs> you were fresh. Okay, so now we're going to rewind again back in time. So we're going to go back to 1970. August 23rd, 1970, River Jude Bottom was born in Madras, Oregon. Yes, his name, his birth name is not Phoenix. It was Bottom. Well, that's like Joe Kwan. His name is actually Leaf. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to kind of like get all into that. So guys, just, we're going to probably just call everyone by like. What they know. What we know them as now, because there's a lot of name changing back and forth. But yes, he was born as River, uh, River Jude Bottom in Oregon. And, um. I've read different sources, but either in 1972 or 1973, his parents straight up joined a cult. Now, they joined the Children of God. And anytime you join a cult, it's just not a good idea. Let's just, I don't even want to get into it. They were, ugh, it's just gross. Like, what the children of God people believe. Just like, if y'all know it, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but it's gross. And they were, it was like, basically, I wrote in my notes, religious weird sex cult. Like his mom was even quoted saying that they're disgusting and they're ruining people's lives, end quote. Yes. Um, but you know, I'm sure when they first joined it, they definitely, I mean, anytime anyone joins a cult, I mean, I've never joined a cult, but I just feel like they're not going to be like, I'm joining this cult. It's like you join something thinking it's going to be like a place of belonging, you know, a place of like fellowship, membership, like you're going to like become with like a community. 
which I don't ever have to worry about joining a cult, and I don't think you will either because we don't like people. <laughs> people, and we don't like leaving our house. And I feel like to be an active cult member, you have to leave your couch. So I don't uh, like putting pants on or going outside, and you have to do both of those things to probably join a cult. Well, probably not the first one. You could probably go without pants. That'd yeah, make it easier. I think pants are optionals in cult, but like, yeah, you definitely have to like go outside to be a part of a cult. So we are safe. But anyways, they join this cult. Um, and his parents are Don and I'm gonna butcher her name, Arlen, Arlene. Arlen. Arlen, yes. And they had more children um after River. River's the oldest, but then they had Rain, Joaquin Walk I am so sorry, Joaquin, Liberty and Summer, which is like basically I love all these names, but we also know someone who named, like, all their kids see similar names, so. Yes. Yeah, so, but I like the, like, nature names. Um, I just now realized his name was Riverbottom. Yep, Riverbottom. <laughs> but I really like the Jude. Judas. oh, that's so cute. But, sorry, we're getting, like, sidetracked. But when he was little, him and Rain, his younger sister, they would perform music to try to basically earn money while his parents were in this cult that's like how they you know they got lived. money for food wasn't it yeah exactly and um I think his parents realized hey we are straight up in a cult we need to leave this environment with our children so they go to this priest and um the priest's name is Steve Wood and he basically gave them room and board at the church until they could make you know enough means to go back to the United States well, I forgot to add, this cult was in Venezuela is where they were stationed at when all this, like, happened. They moved around a lot to different places, but at this time, they were in Venezuela. So, this was, like, 1979-ish when they were like, okay, we need to straight up leave this cult, go back to America, and just, you know, start new. Well, four months after they pretty much left the cult, um, they went on a cargo ship to Florida, and that's when the family decided, hey, we need to start new. We need to do new names. So they changed their last name from Bottom to Phoenix because that symbolizes a new beginning because of the, you know, the Phoenix, the Phoenix, you know, rising. From the ashes. Yeah, exactly. Which there were, it's to be noted that his parents were extreme hippies. Like, that's, that's not me being a jerk. It's really, they, they were hippies and that kind of puts it out there more so I mean if you think about it if you name your kids river walking liberty rain and summer I mean and leaf yeah well yeah. Walk, Joaquin is leaf he was kind of doing the name change thing I don't think he was born leaf I think he was born Joaquin but he went by leaf for a while he wanted to fit in yeah so anyway but anyways um so they move on later on to California when River is nine, and that's sort of when his mom got him into the Hollywood scene. He started out doing commercials and TV shows, you know, getting his name out there, but his first big break was in the 1986 movie Stand By Me. Now, anytime you think of River Phoenix, you're going to throw out some movie titles, but I bet you a dollar, the first one that most people will probably name, or at least first two or three, it's definitely going to be the Stand By Me movie. It was like his big break, and also it was the adaptation from, you know, Stephen King short story. Did you know that? Yes. 
And Rupert actually, I don't know if you've watched like any of his movies or if you watched a few or stuff, but he actually was really extremely talented with acting. I've watched Stand By Me a million times. Okay, perfect. So, you know, like that was an emotional role and he was just like a little, I mean, I really don't know how old he was. I think he'd be like 13, 14, 15. He was 13. Yeah, and that was like a very emotional role and like he, it didn't feel fake, you know, it was very sincere and even director Bill Richard, he said the first time he met River, he immediately thought, this is a star. Every single time, you know, he did a movie take, he would, at one take, it would be excellent. Now, I can barely talk and record a podcast in one take. So I couldn't imagine the pressure of having all these cameras on you, trying to learn all this dialogue and just doing it perfect every single time. That is talent he was like making a name for himself and he was doing a good job at it. So we're going to fast forward. Um, Some incredible things about him is one, he ended up having an Oscar nomination at the age of 18 for running on empty. And then later on, he also won the best actor award for the Venice festival for this movie called my own private Idaho. And because of all the star power, he was earning close to $1 million a movie. This has nothing to do with his death or anything. I just thought it was a cool little trivia moment to add in here. But um, a lot of people, when they think of River Phoenix, they immediately think, you know, big movie star. But he also was a talented musician and an activist. He was like very into animal activism and, you know, Um, environmental activism. He was actually, um, I read different reports and saw different things, so I'm going to go with what his sister said, because I'm going to believe his sister over some random dude that wrote an article about him. But his sister, Rain, said they became vegans when they were on that cargo ship um, to Florida to come to America, when they basically saw the fishermen so, and this is a little bit graphic, guys. They saw the fishermen thrashing fish against some nails on the side of the boat. And, like, basically all the kids were like, okay, we're, we're not eating animals. We're not going to do this. And I just think that's, for them to be little, like, I think he was, like, eight. And I think she was, like, five or six or something. And for them to see that and go, we don't want to cause any animals any pain. And they made, like, the, you know, decision, the mature decision then to become vegans. Now, before anyone asks me, I'm not saying if you eat meat, there's something wrong with you. Like, I ate a Philly cheesesteak pizza earlier. I would be a hypocrite to say that, but I'm just saying that's very mature for a little kid to think, especially since most little kids eat off of chicken nuggets and french fries until they're like, oh. My husband is old and he still eats chicken strips and french fries so yeah no (laughs) he eats like a five-year-old exactly and um he said a quote to new york times he said when i was old enough to realize all meat was killed i saw it was an irrational way of using our power to take a weaker thing and mutilate it that's just oh that's like crazy like i just feel like he was so, he was so wise, it sounds like. Yes, okay, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, it was just like, he was so, he had a way about him, like, edu- uh, 
I have like such a new found respect for him after watching some of the documentary and stuff. I think like he just, he really wanted the best for people and the best for the environment and the best for the world. But it seems like sometimes like when he put all that other stuff in front of you, you kind of put yourself in last place. Because also he was also financially taking care of his family. You know, he was making all these movies. He was taking care of like his parents, his brother, his sisters. He was financially supporting them and he was putting like their needs before his. Just, you know, from what was implied and I took away from the documentary. Well, I even read this uh, somewhere. I I can't remember where I'd read it at, but they were even, he was even saying that he, um, he had saved, he said that he needed to make one more movie to put enough money away so his youngest sister could go to college. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, I'm trying to think of who said it because I, I've read it. This his girlfriend yeah yeah um and we were like how do you know this I, I read like a bunch of interviews while prepping for this and um the guardian did some interviews with samantha mathis uh the last couple years on the anniversary of his death um but yeah he it just seemed like you know he really cared about his family and the people around him that he really you know wanted what was best for them um so now we're going to fast forward now that we have a little bit of background on, um, you know, River. The day, Saturday, October 30th, 1993. He was actually working on a film called Dark Blood, which would be his last released film. Um, the film, you know, they recorded in 93, but it actually didn't come out until 2012. I'm not 100% sure why. And that took so long with the editing and stuff, but I just, I just know that was it. During this period, while he was filming this movie, he was actually off drugs. He did have a drug problem, you know, off and on. Um, they said that he would, you know, go, go clean off drugs for a bit and then he would binge and then he'd get off drugs and he'd binge. But during this period, he was off drugs for about two months. Um, but overall, he had about a drug problem probably the last two years of his life. The last day he was on set, the director, George Slap, I'm going to butcher his name too, Slozer, Slizer, we're just going to call him George. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that made me think of when you were doing your interview and we couldn't think of how that guy's name and you're like, we're just going to call him blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, that was the, the officer, right. Yeah but we're just going to call him George. Um, George said in an interview, he said, I, on the last day of set, I could tell there was a difference of River's body language. Um, he was sitting around more than usual. I'm just basically paraphrasing. And um, this was a direct quote, though. He said it had been, he had been taking drugs the night before. That was obvious. So... It, I guess it was apparent on set, like the last... the last day you know he shot on set that he probably dabbled the night before in some drug use this is creepy this has nothing to do this was just kind of like a foreshadow moment and i wanted to see if you got as much chills as i did when they talked about this um okay so 
after the last scene was done for the day, you know, everything was like, okay, bye guys, you know, lights are coming down, you know, they turn off the camera, everyone's leaving. Ed Lackman, who was the cinematographer for that, they said this, they noticed this two days after River's death. So they go back on set, they're replaying some stuff. He said that after the lights came down, everyone left, there was like a perfect silhouette of river in like the background of some candles. So it's like basically this light source and it's just like his body as a silhouette. And then he walks towards the camera for five seconds and then just like walks away. That's terrifying. Is that not creepy? Yes. I'm just like wondering if that was like a foreshadow. Of what was going to happen. Yes. And like they didn't find that out for two days after the fact. And, um, you know, Ed said that still, you know, haunts him to this day. It still gives him the chills. Most of this info I got of this come from the final 24 episode of River Phoenix. Everyone should watch it. It's amazing. So after the set, he goes to his hotel. Um, His brother, Leaf, Joaquin, who went by Leaf at the time, and his sister Rain flew in to see him. And um, his girlfriend, Samantha Mathis, she was also an actress. They started in this movie called The Thing Called Love Together, which, have you ever watched that movie? No. Okay, it's a cute movie, and our girl Sandy B's in it, so you would like it, because we love all things Sandy B. Um, so they're all hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they didn't say blah, 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 but that's my transition. Um... And so they go out, and according to Samantha, it's Samantha, River, Rain, and Leaf. We're just going to call him Leaf because I can pronounce Leaf better than Joaquin right now. So the four of them are going out. Samantha said that she thought her and River were just going to go, like, back to the hotel or back to her house or somewhere, and they were just dropping Rain and uh, Leaf off at the club. Well, they go to the Viper Room. And um, he told her, no, I'm going to stay around because there's some people who are performing tonight and they want me to perform with them. And he's like, oh, okay. This is about 12.27 a.m. when they hit the club. Now, keep in mind, the time period from when they arrive at the Viper Room at 12.27, all this goes down between 12.27 to 1.51 a.m. So that's only one hour and 24 minutes all this craziness happens. At that night, they had like a really good music lineup. I mean, it was Johnny Depp and his band were playing. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing. And I swear, I think they said someone from like the Butthole Surfers was playing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Butthole surface, Surfers is like a real band name. It really is. I just died laughing because I was like, oh. What a tragic name for a band, but, uh, (laughs) sorry. Um, but you know, this is like a good lineup. This isn't just like your karaoke open mic night at Chili's. So of (laughs) course he wanted to play. I mean, uh, River's friends actually said he was really more interested in music than acting. So I think he thought this would be great. They actually said that he that day wanted to stay clean from drugs so he could do a good set. And so 
he goes up there. This rest of this comes from like sources that was told to homicide detective Mike Lee from the LAPD at the time. They said that, you know, he went up and he's going to do, I think he's supposed to do a set with Flea. And him and Flea were actually really good friends. They met on the set of My Own Private Idaho. And uh, according to sources, Flea was like, I'm so sorry, man. There's way too many people tonight. It's overbooked or something. And that just like crushed River. And he's like, well, whatever. And I guess he that just devastated him because... They also said he had like a horrible last day of shooting of the movie. And I guess, you know, between, it's like when you have a bad day at work, like you're like, oh, stupid customers or oh, my coworkers getting on my nerves. And then you're like wanting to go out and do something fun. And it's like, oh, that place is closed now. And like, you're just so aggravated. I think he's just so aggravated. And he's like, I'm just going to, you know, do something and relax, you know? Now, I'm not condoning doing drugs to relax. My good time of relaxing is taking a bubble bath and doing a face mask if anyone wants to use that suggestion. And it only costs like two or three bucks. Um, and it's not drugs. Anyway, he, I guess he was just like, oh, I'm so annoyed. I'm going to find something to take the edge off. Now, he, I don't think he had drugs on him, but... Anytime you go to any sort of club, you can find them. Yeah, especially if you're a celebrity, you're going to get hooked up with some drugs if you really want drugs. Now, I've been to a club once and I was offered the drugs and I said no. At the time, I did not know I was offered the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy this shows how goody good people that we are. It's like, <laughs> They offered me drugs and I had no idea what they were talking about until I Googled I it later. Side note, <laughs> this is a little side story. Shayla Young, 23, at a club. Random guy approaches her. Hey, do you want some sparkles? Me, no thank you. And then I walked off. I later on asked my friend, hey, is my outfit not poppy enough or something? Why? Cause this guy asked me for some sparkles. I wanted some sparkles. And she straight up was like, I'm pretty sure he asked you if you want some drugs. And I was like, oh. Did you oh. like Google it and see what that was? I don't know. I'm too scared. I'm afraid the FBI would think I was into the sparkles, but I'm not into the sparkles. I said, no, dare. It works. Holy crap. I Googled it because I wanted to know. Uh, it is dubbed legal MDMA, which is similar to ecstasy. That would make sense for a club. And it literally looks like glitter, apparently. Yeah. So people, I said no to getting some ecstasy at the club because I literally thought this guy just wanted to make my outfit more popping. And I was not about it. Now, if I knew it was drugs, I still would say no. But just putting it out there. <laughs> But anyways, back to the story. Um, so yeah, you know, if you're a young, hot celebrity, you're in a club, people know your name, you're going to get some drugs if you want some drugs. Now, people really don't know what happened because at this time, Samantha, Rain, and Lee were all in the booth in the back. And I think they just thought, hey, he's getting ready for a set with Lee. So they really didn't know where he was. 
and somehow he got some drugs and basically the drugs that he did was a cocaine and heroin mix and they call that a speed ball and um i guess that's like when you mix it together and snort it so a, another source said that after you know he did the speed ball he was just saying too much this is too much something to that effect so someone offered him a volume on top of that i guess because they thought he was having a panic attack or something i'm not really sure and so you have to think I don't know what cocaine and heroin does to your body, but I think they said like cocaine speeds it up and heroin brings it down. Uppers and downers. Yeah. So it's like doing two different things to your heart. And so he was inside, he was vomiting, he was passing out. Um, so they said Rain and Lee took him outside, I guess, because they thought, you know, maybe the fresh air would do him good. And as soon as he went outside, he like collapsed onto the pavement and convulsing and I don't really know the time frame with what happened because according to different articles some people say different things about what happened different events but according to the final 24 when this happened he started having a seizure and for about five minutes no one called the ambulance that they were like freaking out what to do so at this point, Leaf calls the ambulance. And while Leaf is calling the ambulance, Rain is like trying to do her best to like help stop the convulsions and, you know, taking care of River. And oh, you could actually hear the 911 call. They said that after his death, like people actually released the 911 call. And in his voice, you could just, he was only 19 at the time, uh, Joaquin, when this happened. And you could just hear the panic and, oh, I, I would never wish that on my enemy. You could just hear the panic in his voice. He was like, he's having a seizure. Get over here, please, please, because he's dying, please. And he's just, you know, freaking out, which is completely understandable. And um, four minutes after the call, 911 comes in, the ambulance arrive, the paramedics are, the paramedics are trying to restart his heart. And basically there was nothing they could do they tried to take him to the hospital he was pronounced dead at 151 a.m october 31st 1993 at the age of 23. Um, did you see anything about the toxicology report the uh from what i've read the a toxicologist who did his uh, autopsy, Dan Anderson, explained that Rivers' blood contained a staggering eight times the legal limit of an overdose. Yeah, they said that it contained eight times the amount of cocaine that was lethal. So he didn't know if basically River didn't know the if what he was taking was that pure of cocaine and he took like the normal amount that he normally takes but it was more pure, pure cocaine than normal or if the person that gave it to him gave him a lot and he just you know didn't really think right. because his his friends pretty much implied that wasn't the first time he did a speedball and anytime you do it you're you know playing russian roulette you're like 
they say you're either going to have like a really good time or you're going to die. It's either one or the other. And it just is a tragic, tragic situation all around. Um, when um, his girlfriend, Samantha Mathis, later on was interviewed, one of her quotes about that night, she said, I knew he was high that night, but that heroin that killed him didn't happen until he was in the Viper room. I have my suspicions what was going on, but I did not see anything. So they really don't know if he, I guess they really don't know if he took as much as he meant to or someone gave him too much. Uh, I really don't know what people think going on behind the scenes there, but I just know all around, it's really sad. And I mean, he was only 23 years old. I mean, he was still alive today. He would be 50. That's hard to believe. This year actually makes the 27th anniversary of his death. And I know people will probably say, well, he was a drug addict or blah, blah, blah. He was 23 years old, guys. He, had he was a stupid kid. He had pressure on him that most of us don't even know. Like, yeah, he's in Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. He's taking, he was, when he was a kid, okay, he's 23 years old. You're supposed to enjoy your life and not worry about that. He's taking care of himself and his family. And again, you know, you're just in that situation where you think you're young and you're, you can do anything. And it was just, a tragic all-around loss, and I just, I think if he was still alive, he would be, like, doing some awesome things for our planet, and I think, I don't think he would still have a drug problem if he was still alive. I think he would have been, like, I was young, I was stupid, I kicked the habit. There's a lot of former drug addicts that they did it because they were young and stupid, and then they grow up and realize, okay, I, I need to turn my life around, and then they make you know, a really good story for themselves. I think he would have done that. I think he would have been like this badass guy saving the planet. That's just my thought. And I think he would have won like eight million Oscars by now. But um, one little thing, I want to kind of end this on like a good note. That's like majorly sad. Um, BuzzFeed Unsolved, Ryan and Shane, we love them. Uh, Ryan did a spirit box session while he was at the Viper Room and he's trying to talk to River. And he said, River, just wanted you to know you were really talented and it's a shame you were gone now. And, um, or it's a shame you're gone now. And the spirit box said, thank you. Oh, I really, wow. I really believe in my heart that was River saying, oh, thank you. Because he seemed like a nice young guy. Who just had too much on his plate. Yeah, exactly. And then the super, super sweet thing that I'm just going to leave everyone with is in September of this year, his little brother, Joaquin, had his firstborn son, and he named him, named him River. Yes. I, you know, I read that, and I was going to mention that. I didn't know if you had mentioned it or not. I was going to if you didn't. I wanted to end, the, I wanted to end it on a good note because this is just, like, super sad and, like, depressing. Plus... You know, another thing that you really think about is um, 
Leonardo DiCaprio said that he saw River Phoenix the night before he died or the night that he died because he went to the Viper room mm-hmm. and you know I think that that was like an eye-opener for Leonardo DiCaprio considering that he was a child actor as well you know he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape as as a very young child um and he didn't get into drugs I think that was kind of one of those things that was like okay maybe I shouldn't do this because I see what happened and he also took two roles that had been intended intended for uh river sorry you can probably hear my child crying in the background Nikki says don't do drugs guys exactly um but yeah, I think this is a good note to leave it on because one, Figgy is not having no more of the sadness from this episode. Um, just, just guys, I don't even know what to say. I'm so sad now. I'm, I made myself sad. It's like anytime, it's like me stepping on a scale right before a thing. <laughs> but okay, guys, I hope that y'all have a safe Halloween. Make smart choices. Um, Don't be stupid. Is there anything you want to say to everyone real quick, Tabitha? Um, Have a happy and safe Halloween. Don't get murdered. Uh, (laughs) Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Just be good, guys. And for now on, I found a new way to end every episode. And I'm going to try it out, Tabitha. I didn't tell you about it, but I want to see if you like it. I think you will like it. Okay, ready? Ready. Okay, guys. I'm Shayla. And I'm Tabitha. And we love you, Susan. And we love you, Susan. Yeah, have a wonderful day. I didn't include Susan in this episode, so I'm just going to start signing off with saying we love you, Susan. That works for me. Okay, bye, guys. Bye.